Hey everyone, I am your host, Annika Neri, and welcome to Dumb It Down, where we discuss psychological concepts and break them down for everyone's convenience and learning. For today's topic, we will be discussing why we need statistics in experiments. But before we begin, we have some guests here with us today. So today, we've invited Ms. Clarice Beltran, who finished her master's in De La Salle University, Manila, and is now currently taking her PhD at the University of Education in Hong Kong under the course Experimental Psychology. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you as well. So here, we have Joshua and Beatrice Mendoza, siblings from the De La Salle Santiago Zobel, they are currently seniors in the Humanities and Social Sciences strand, or the Hume strand, am I right? Yes. No, That's, oh, it's Hums. Yeah. It's Hums. No, it's Hume. That's, how, that's how, it's, how it's pronounced, actually. No, it's Hume's, because it Hume's makes better. more sense. It's humanities. But it's it sounds science. stupid, though. But so, anyway. So you don't say humanities. Anyways, I'm Bea. Hi. Hi, I'm Joshua Mendoza, and that was my older sister, Bea. <laughs> All right. So thank you for being here with us today. So um, uh, moving on. Uh, Joshua and Bea, can you tell us a little bit why you're here with us today? Okay, sure. So, our main reason for coming is that, well, we're about to graduate from high school, senior high school, and we were both planning on taking psychology as our major in college. Yeah, and an upperclassman of ours said that statistics would be a, um, a very important thing in the course. So, we're here today, so hopefully to learn about it. Mm, all right, all right. That you know that's just right for this podcast because today's episode we will be tackling concepts that revolve around statistics. So specifically, we'll be discussing the argument for using statistics, basic statistics, and applying statistical inferences. And our as expert here, Miss Beltran, soon to be doctor, Thank you. yes, yes, <laughs> will help you and our listeners clarify these concepts for us today. Yes. So we have a really full, fun-filled day for us. So let's get a kraken. All right. So with that, let us <laughs> let us start off with our first question. What is statistics? Joshua Bea, can you give a little bit of what you know? Okay, sure. Well, in all honesty, I'm not really good at statistics because I suck at math. But from what I know, statistics is mainly data gathering and analyzing it. And from what I remember, graphs are a lot of graphs. Yeah, I agree with my brother. I, I agree with my brother. Like, uh, I'm not very good at math either, and especially statistics. It's actually my least favorite. Um, yeah, but I believe it has something to do with data collection and like how to interpret that data. Well, I hope that me being here can enlighten you guys with the statistics and hopefully um, after this podcast, um, it will be your favorite subject. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Is well, it your favorite subject? Well, honestly, no. But then as I've, <laughs> as I, as I've learned about it more, it, it, became, it, it became quite alright since... Mm. 
it, mm -hmm. it, it gave my research a foundation. And yes. And especially since you're, you are studying for a PhD under yes. experimental psychology, yes. I'm sure statistics is, is very vital. Yes, it's very important. vital. Right How now. many more years do you have? Well, I only have three more years before I become a doctor. All right. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank we you. wish you all Good the luck. best of luck there. <laughs> thank you. Okay. So, uh, with that, with what we know now, Ms. Beltran, yes. can you give us what statistics really is? Yes, okay, so statistics is, um, helps us quantify the phenomena that we're trying to observe. And it, and it determines whether the independent variable caused the changes in the dependent variable. And it allows us to make sense and interpret the data that we gathered from our experimental procedures, which provides researchers researchers sorry such as you guys in the future if ever you continue to with your path that you've chosen with objective and consensual techniques for describing results so it, um basically it uh, it answers the question if indeed a which is your independent variable affects or causes b which is your dependent variable as you have hypothesized there is that is that a great um, foundation for our topic today yeah Did that clarify okay yeah. So we can say what you said, uh, statistics is vitally important in psychology and in experiments because it's objective. Yes. We can make conclusions, inferences, claims, but they can't be purely subjective because everyone has their own perspective and everyone has their own view to it. Yes, but exactly. statistics gives us data, numerical evidence, in order to support these claims. Yes. All right. Thank you very much for that. So, moving on to the next concept, basic statistics. One of the most common questions we get on this show is, is it important to have all three central modes of tendencies, mean, median, and mode, when doing statistics? Yes. Um, there's, um, there's this misconception wherein um, these three is a package deal in doing statistics, wherein you might think that when you're doing statistics um, and when you're inputting data, you have to get all of these three. But for me, personally, um, it's more on, I feel like the two most important, which I'm not even, I'm not val invalidating mode. It's just that it depends on your, exp it's in your um, procedures or in your experiment. Um, and for mean and median, um, the mean may not be a fair representation of the data because the average is easily in influenced by outliers. Outliers are very small or large values in the data set that are not typical. So with the help of median, it, it is another way to measure the center of a numerical data set. And a statistical median is much like the median of an interstate highway. So that's why I feel that mean and median is um, one of the most crucial or vital in the statistics because it helps... Um, these two helps um, one another. Mm, all right, all right. Um, may I, can I ask a question? Sure, no problem. Sure. So, if given an even number set of values, how do you get the median? Because, right, median is the middle value of a set of values. So, if it's an even set of values, there isn't per se a middle yeah, value. Middle value yeah. So, what do you do to get the middle value? Okay, so um, I believe what you do is that so if it's an even number, you have two numbers in between, am I right? So with that, um, it's very easy. What you do is just you add those two together and then you divide it by two. 
So that's how you get the medium. Oh, it's that simple. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> so <laughs> no, the yeah. mode is basically uh, numbers that are re like most repeated in a yes. set, right? So if what if there's um, in that set there are two values that are repeated multiple times, like in, like say it's a, an equal yeah. frequency. Okay. Um, with that, um, a data set can have more than a single mode, in which case it is called a multimodal. E even in data sets, it could also have the mode may not even exist or may not be very meaningful. So um, that is why um, when you have uh, data that is repeated e um, in a frequent in an equal frequent amount of time, then you ha you still have to take it, that into consideration. Yes. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Thank yes. you. Can you give an example of how what a, a kind of experiment or any any example of where we can find mode where we can apply modes? Oh, okay. So um, the mode could be very useful for dealing with categorical data. For example, if a sandwich shop sells ten different types of sandwiches, the mode would, be, would represent the most popular sandwich. And the mode can also be useful with ordinal, interval, and ratio data. However, in interval and ratio scales, the data may be spread thinly with no data points having the same value. As I've said, in such cases, the mode may not exist or may not be very meaningful. So mm. there. All right. Uh, okay, so thank you for that. Um, for mm -hmm. our next concept, uh, for statistical inference, this is... This seems a pretty heavy concept. Yes. So, Ms. Batran, can you give us a short explanation of what it is? Well, for statistical inference, we naturally want to be able to come to conclusions about the impact of, their, of our independent variable, right? Huh? So, when we run an experiment, we typically start with a sample of subjects drawn from the population. And these sample subjects act as a representative to the larger population. This way, we would be able to make inferences about the entire population through those samples. However, these samples have a set of criteria, or um, it has to be randomly selected, so that the effect obtained from the samples in an experiment would generalize to others from the same population. And this allows us to make inferences about the reliability of differences in conditions. Um, I'm still a little confused about that. Can you give an example? Oh, of course. Um, so. Suppose there are two groups of students in a class are asked to report their weights. To make a statistical inference about the two groups or your samples, we must first calculate the average or the mean weight of each group by adding up the student's weight and then dividing the sum by the total number of weights. With this, the mean weight of the 12 students on the window side of the room is 152, let's say, and the mean weight of the other 12 students on the opposite side of the room is 147 pounds, a difference of 5 pounds. So, would you conclude from these measurements that individuals on the two sides of the room belong to different population of students? Of course not, right? So, perhaps on the window side, there is one particularly big individual whose weight varies a great deal from the weights of the other students. So, an unusual score like this is called an outlier, when, as I've said, um, a very big difference from the average and more likely you are thinking that it is silly to make anything of a difference of five pounds after all not everybody has the same weight or the average weight and of any two groups is bound to differ somewhat so you have a, you have made a statistical inference based on your knowledge of the weight of these 
groups. So you can conclude that they probably belong to the same population, even though you have not measured everyone in that population. So does that, does that make sense or did that clarify for you? Yeah, thank you. So can you tell us more about statistical inference? Like, is it possible to test it if ever? Yes, um, but before you test it, um, you have to know these two concepts, which is defining variability and testing the null hypothesis. So for defining variability, it is the amount of change we see in our samples. So basically how the independent variable um, manipulated or affected the dependent variable. With this, we want to see if the results in our experiment is significantly different from what we can expect to see given the usual variability among people in a population. And for testing the null hypothesis, you um, should have two hypotheses first. So first is the null hypothesis, and the second is the alternative hypothesis. So for the null hypothesis, this states the differences we see between treatments among to nothing more than the ordinary variability in scores we see in the population, in which there is no significant effect. The independent variable has no significant effect on the dependent variable. For the alternative hypothesis, this is the research hypothesis that shows that, it's, that it is unlikely that the changes we see in our sample are not due to chance variation, but it is because of our treatment condition, which is, which is our independent variable. So to test this, first you have to formulate these two hypotheses as I've said. And the second is decide on the level of significance. So for the level of significance, this is um, um, the customary is set to 0.05 or 0.01. So this is 0.05 is 95% on your scale. It, mean, it means that if you're equal to 0.05 or lower than that, it means that your independent variable is significant or that it means that um, the it is ninety five percent sure that it that the independent variable is cost is the cost by the independent yes. variable yes right. and then gather sample data so so basically using the sample data you compute the per pertinent test statistics or t statistics and degrees of freedom or p value there. Uh -huh. So, is there a process in applying statistical inference? Oh, of course. Um, so, for the process of statistical inference is first you have to consider the population to be sampled. So, because of variability, individual scores on the dependent variable will differ. For second, consider different random samples within the population. So, their scores on the dependent variable will also differ because of normal variability. So, you have to assume that the null hypothesis is correct. Then, you apply the treatment conditions to randomly selected and randomly assigned samples or your participants. Then, fourth, after the treatment, the samples now appear to belong to different population. Then, you reject the null hypothesis if there is significance. If your, if your independent variable is what caused your dependent variable. So, the results are compared in the distribution of values in a table that informs us what level of confidence we can have in rejecting the null hypothesis. Mm. All right, all right, all right. So we'll be having a short break to give our guests and our listeners some time to process and absorb yeah, that information. <laughs> yes, sorry it's about very that. quite heavy. But don't worry, stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Max, you might walk. So method no Max. Yan. 
Dumb It Down is sponsored by Jack and Jill Max. Imax mo! For those tuning into our show, you can send in your questions for the next episode, How to Write a Psychological Research. Shout out to one of our loyal listeners, Mr. Norman Mendoza. Hope you're having a great and safe time in Hong Kong. And we're back! Thank you to our listeners for keeping up with us so far. So now, during that short break, I read a little bit something about type 1 error and type 2 error. So for everyone's uh, clarifications, type 1 error is when the researchers reject the null hypothesis when, in fact, the data is actually true. And type 2 error is when we conclude that the pattern of results was caused by chance errors when it was really caused by the independent variables. Basically, you're saying type 2 error is the opposite of type 1 error. So you fail to reject the null when, in fact, you're really supposed to reject it. Yes. Yes. So my question is, Ms. Beltran, is there a way to reduce the odds of having either type either type 1, type 2 error? Yes, actually. Um, so for type 1 error, as you've said, um, when you when you reject the null <laughs> hypothesis, even though the significant difference is not caused by the IV, so what you can do to minimize this error is by choosing an extreme um, level of significance, uh, either um, 0.05 or 0.01. And 0.01 is our most extreme. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to reduce that type of error, you have to go to 0.01. All right. Okay. And it means that it is um it one it shows that it is a 99% chance mm-hmm. or 100% chance that your IV is the one that caused your disease. All right. Okay. So for our type two error, um what you can do is um you can reduce type two by increasing your sample size. So with this um you get a more fruitful sample and then you get a more fruitful results. Thank you for that. Um, can I just clarify? So if the independent variable has no effect, this is what type of uh, error? Oh, um, if the independent variable has no effect and um, you, you still said that you, uh, or you, or you still rejected the null hypothesis in which you mean to say that there is the independent variable has effect, so it is a type two error. Oh, okay. Thank you. All right, all right. So, uh, sorry to say this, but uh, we have to end the show now. But I believe that we have one, uh, we have time for one last question. So, uh, Bea, Joshua, do you have any last, We have, do you have a question for uh, Ms. Beltran? Oh, okay. So, we would just like to say that it was all very informative and interesting. But yes, we have one last question, and I think it's something everyone can relate. Yeah, Um. so how can statistics be used in our daily lives? Like everything that we've just talked about now. Okay, wow. so um, since statistics helps in providing a better understanding and an exact description of a phenomenon of nature. So, so and most of us always, um, as researchers or as 
um, students, um, we always use experiments or data gathering. So statistics helps in the proper and efficient planning of a statistical inquiry in any field of study. So this is not just um, focusing just on psychology course. And statistics helps in com com collecting appropriate quantitative data. So it's to ensure that what you're putting out in the world, um, whether it's experiments or research, um, it is not, as the kids say it, fake news. <laughs> so, so we work in statistics because they allow us to evaluate objectively the data we work so hard to collect. And there. Yeah. So I I hope that that enlightened you guys, and that I hope that you pushed through with your um, taking psychology as your course. Yes. yes. Thank you. Good luck on your PhD. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and good luck in college. Oh yes. All right. So thank you very much to our guests here with us in the show. We let's give them one last round of applause for Yay. everyone. Yes. All right. So. That's it for today's episode of Dumb It Down. This has been your host, Annika Neri. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.